Okay, it's been a wonderful morning and uh, it's great to worship God and now let's worship Him as we, as we listen to His Word together. There was a time in the Gospels, as recorded in the Gospels, in Luke chapter 10, verse 17 onwards, where Jesus had sent out the 72. He had anointed them and they went and they cast out demons, they healed diseases, and they came back rejoicing. And they were so excited. And, uh, they, and they said to Jesus in verse 17, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Wow. And uh, Jesus goes on to say, uh, you know, I, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven and all that. And then he says something in verse 20. He says, however, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. All right? So, I, I mean, it would be great to see people healed, people delivered from demons and all kinds of things happen. That would be super. And we want to see that and we're seeing it and that's great. And, and we would rejoice when that happened. But Jesus is saying, hey, listen, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. All right? And uh, so, 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 isn't that a, so, so that's a command from God. So if your name is, is written in heaven, can we rejoice this morning? Give us a shout of hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. And remember, you didn't do anything for your name to be written in heaven. Let's be clear about that. I didn't do anything. Okay? Jesus did everything. Okay? By His grace, by His mercy, last year He chose you. Meher, He chose you. He chose me. Wow. It's not because we are good or we've, you know, we are, you know, last year is beautiful. I'm handsome. <laughs> None of these things count, okay? It's His mercy and His grace. That's all, that's all, okay. There's another record of names written in the Bible, and that is found in Hebrews chapter 11. Anybody knows what that chapter is about? Faith. That, that chapter is about faith, and Hebrews chapter 11 is a wonderful chapter. At the conference we went to, uh, Nigel preached on Rahab from that chapter, and we're going to look at that chapter this morning, and uh, it's going to be a series of messages, because faith is so important for the Christian life. It, it's like we, we can't live without faith, because the Bible says the just will live by faith, okay? And, and, and that's just there, uh, yeah. In verse 38 of chapter 10, but my righteous one will live by faith. So, so let's just uh, read that chapter a bit and uh, ask the Lord to speak to us. I, I've read, the, you know, I'm not going to preach on the whole chapter, but just I feel reading it this morning will bring strength and life to our bodies. Okay, starting from verse 1. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Remember, What's he's, he's talking about the elders or the people in the Old Testament. They were commended not for their riches, not for their wisdom, but for their faith. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. And then from verse 4 onwards, we have list after list after list of names of people 
who are being commended for their faith. And all these names are from the Old Testament. And, uh, and 1 Corinthians 10 verse 11 tells us that, you know, these things were written as an encouragement for us and as examples for us. So as we look through these Old Testament things, uh, people, yeah, remember, they are examples. Examples are what we need to follow, all right? And they are an encouragement for us to persevere in our walk of faith. So, by faith, verse 4, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man. When God's spell spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham, and it goes on and on and on and on to list all these great heroes of faith. Now, our names are not in the Lamb's, are in the Lamb's book of life. But wouldn't you like your name to be listed here in Hebrews 11, along with Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and David and Moses and Jephthah? Wouldn't you like that? You know? Wow. Now, what is it that they did that got a listing there? It's simple. This is what they did. Not only did they have faith of salvation, which we, most of us have, but they worked out their faith and did something for God. Okay? So, in the, book, in the Lamb's book of life, you did nothing. I did nothing. God saved us. But in Hebrews 11, these people who were saved appropriated that faith. You know, it says, work out your Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. These people took the salvation that they had by faith and did something with it. And because of that, they were commended. Wow. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for this amazing scripture, Lord, which lists out the great heroes of faith through the Old Testament who are examples for us. Lord, may your grace, may your anointing, may your Holy Spirit speak through me, Lord. Speak to all of us that our hearts will be open to receive your word, that we too would, would, would be able to see the greatness of these people and follow their example, Lord, and, and be men and women of great faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, so... Many characters listed here, and you may be familiar with many of them. And, go and going through these characters can take you through the history of the Old Testament. You know, some of us may spend a lot of time in the New Testament, and maybe in the Psalms, but we don't spend much time in the Old Testament. But 1 Corinthians 10, 11 says, these things were written for us as examples. They were written down as warnings for us. So it's important that we go through the Old Testament as well. So this morning, we have time 
Originally, I thought I'd cover three people, but it's not possible. We cover one today. Okay, one person, Abel. Okay, and that's in verse four. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. You know. Any anybody got any guesses in which book of the Bible we find Abel first mentioned? Genesis, right in the beginning. Okay, the, the first person mentioned there here is, is Abel in, this, uh, in, 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 in Hebrews 11. And it says that he offered a better sacrifice than Cain did. And by faith he was commended as a righteous man when God spell, spoke well of his offerings. And even though Abel is dead, he says by faith he still speaks even though he's dead. Thousands of years later, we're talking about Abel and saying he is an example for us to live our lives. So before we look at Abel's life, I thought we'd look at, just make a distinction because often what happens is we, get, we confuse works of faith with faith, okay? So let, let's be clear on one thing. Our salvation is by faith alone. Turn to somebody and say, salvation is by faith alone. But the faith that saves is never alone. <laughs> but the faith that saves is never alone. Okay? So salvation is by faith alone. That's true. But the faith that saves is never alone. And James makes this clear in James chapter 2. We'll just jump to James chapter 2 for a couple of minutes. And... Uh, in verse 14, James says, What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save him? Okay. So what James is saying is, great, you say you have faith. You say, oh, I went for a meeting, I heard the gospel, I gave my life to Jesus. Wonderful. But where are your deeds that display your faith? You see, faith is in the heart. Nobody can see another person's heart. We don't know what's in the heart. But what James is saying is that if you have genuine faith, that faith will be outworked in your life. And so he says, you know, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. It's talking about another believer that you know who's in need. And he says, if one of you says to him, go, I wish you well. Keep warm and well fed. God bless you. But does nothing about his physical need, needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. So I want to make it clear that when we're talking about works of faith, we're not talking about salvation. All right? Salvation is by faith alone. Jesus did all the works. But subsequently... Our lives must display works of faith to display the faith that is within our hearts. That's important. And James says, without that, your faith is dead. All right. So let's go back to our friend Abel in Genesis chapter 2, uh, sorry, Genesis chapter 4, and, and see what Abel was commended for. Genesis chapter 4, verse 2. Later she gave birth, that's Eve, to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, 
Cain brought some of the first fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you, not do, if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Okay. Now, you know, we know about Joshua. What did Joshua do? He marched around the cities of Jericho, the city of Jericho. The walls came tumbling and Joshua, the walls came tumbling down. All right? We know what David did. He fought Goliath. Great victories. We know what Gideon did. All these guys did mighty things. Did Cain fight any armies, uh, any battles? What did Cain do? Anybody? What great thing that he do that he's listed in Hebrews Hall of Fame? Uh, sorry, Abel, not, not Cain. Abel, Abel, sorry. Abel, what did he do? He just, he just gave an offering to the Lord. Now, that must have been something special. Now, Cain also gave an offering, but it says very clearly, look at me over there. It says, the Lord looked with favor, verse 4, on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So both of them gave an offering to the Lord, but one was favorable to God and the other was unfavorable. In, in fact, this is what happened. Abel was commended for his offering. You know what happened to Cain? Cain subsequently was cursed. Okay? In, verse, in, in, in verse 11, now you are under a curse and driven from the ground. So that simple offering thing made a difference between commendation and a curse because saints, uh, Cain sinned and killed his brother and that's what happened. All right? So, so let's look at this this morning. So when we look at the life of Abel, we're looking at a life of faith and we're looking at a worship of faith. When we're looking at Enoch, which we'll look in probably next week, we're looking, what, did, what was Enoch famous for? He walked with God. We look at the walk of faith. All right? And then when we look at Noah, probably the week after, we look at the work of faith. What was Noah famous for? He built an ark. All right? So today we're going to look at the life of faith or the worship of faith of Abel. What is it that Abel did that distinguished him from his brother Cain? Okay. Throughout the Old Testament and, and, and in, in the New Testament, the greatest indicator of faith, the greatest indicator of where your heart is, is where your treasure is. Who said that? Jesus. Jesus said that. Okay, in, in Matthew 6, 21. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And so, why is giving so important here? Right in the, right in the beginning, the first thing that we see here is that an offering of worship to God was so important because it showed people where, it showed God where your heart is. Both gave an offering. Cain brought something, 
Abel brought something. But, but, but God commended Abel for his giving and he reprimanded Cain. What is it that was different between the two? And, you know, similarly in the world, everybody bring, many different people bring offerings, you know. Unbelievers bring offerings to their gods. We've collect, collected the offering this, this morning. Each one of you may have given something, you know. But we need to look biblically and say, hey, is my offering like Abel's or is my offering like Cain's? Because we could be giving an offering like Cain, knowingly or unknowingly. So let's look at what Cain did and what Abel did. So what is it that he brought? Let's look at what Cain did. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering. Okay, Cain was a farmer. He tilled the ground. He brought some of the, some of the crops and he gave it to God as an offering. Abel did something else. Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. Okay? Now, there's not much instruction here. We don't know what God told them, do we? We don't know. You know, later on in Malachi and else, and in Leviticus, not Malachi is far away, but in, in Leviticus and so forth, God commands that a that an animal has to be sacrificed, you know, and that was much later on. We don't know if, if Cain and Abel were aware of that. We don't know, okay, because people offered a grain offering as well at that time, but the proper offering was a sacrifice of an animal and so forth, okay? But what we do see here is two things. Abel bought fat portions, okay? And, and that speaks of giving the best. It speaks of a generous heart. And where did he bring the fat portions from? Anybody got that one? From the firstborn, the first fruits. Okay? So Abel was commended because he gave generously, he gave the best, and he gave first. First. What did Cain do? Cain gave something. He gave some fruits. Oh, here are some bananas here, Lord, or something. You know, he, he gave something, okay? But it, it wasn't, it doesn't speak well about that. He, he says, he just gave some fruits of the soil. And, and here is it. There's a difference in our giving. One thing, the first thing I'd like to point out, in our giving, as we give to the Lord, as, you know, we, we, we want people to give, live a life of faith and give how do, what does that mean? How can we be like Abel? Okay? And what it's talking about is giving our first fruits. Now, can you imagine? Let's say, you know, we are hospitable people here. Let, let's say, you know, I, I invited you over to our house. Let's say Sushil and Alma. Please come have lunch with us. And they come to our house. Okay? And there's a table set up. There's some food there. And I said, please, please sit down at the sofa. Okay, me and my family, we're going to eat first, all right, and my cat, and if there is anything left over, you can have it. Has any of you done that to your guests? Do you give your guests leftovers? We have some people coming over for lunch today, just to let you know, no, no, no. <laughs> okay, now, what do we do? We let the guests go first. 
you have, all right? And so that's what it's got to be with God. The kind of offering that God regards, you know, there were some words used about Abel's offering uh, that I've listed down here. You know, what did God say about Abel's offering in different translations? Okay, it says, uh, it was the most, it was an excellent offering. It was a great sacrifice. Okay, excellent offering. God had regard for his offering. God had respect for it. God accepted it. Why? Because Abel gave the first fruits. Okay, so turn to somebody and say, first fruits. Not leftovers. And, and many people do this. And they say, Lord, you know, there are bills to pay, things to do, 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 do. Let me sort all that out, and then I'll give you something. Okay? That's the way of Cain. The way of Abel, and that's why it's called a life of faith. He says, Lord, I'm trusting you. I'm going to be faithful. Okay? And, uh, and so that's what it is. And I'm just going to throw in there, what are we talking about here? You know, in our case, we're talking about tithes and offerings. And really what we're saying is, uh, everything we have, Psalm 24, 1, belongs to God. Okay? And, uh, and Leviticus speaks about the tithe belongs to God. Okay? So I, want to say, I won't say much about that, but just to say that this is God's expectation of an able offering. That we are giving, first of all, first fruits. You know, so whenever I get my salary, the first thing I do is the first transaction. Put that money into Word of Grace. All right? That's what we're saying. We're saying, Lord, first fruits. And, and so one is first fruits, not leftovers. And the second is what we give. You know, here are a couple of bananas, Lord. No. There is a right way to give, and that will be covered some other time. But really, God is saying our tithes, which is 10% of what we earn. All right. Now, that's been covered a lot of time, but I want to cover the second part about what, how Abel gave. He gave the fat portions, and that speaks of generosity. Okay, that speaks of being generous. Now, giving our tithes is just the beginning. It's the starting point. It says, God, I'm giving you what belongs to you. All right? But God doesn't just want us to give our tithes. He wants us to be generous in how we give not just our money, but how we deal with one another. How we deal with one another. Okay? Because you see, you can be giving your tithes, but you could still not be a generous person. The Pharisees were like that. Okay, they gave their tithes, but they were tied up in legalism. They would even tithe their cumin and their mint and their dill. Can you imagine? Have you seen the Korea, cumin is coriander, right? Oh, cumin is jira, jira. I mean, Jesus is making such fun of them. They would count out the jira. <laughs> they say, I'm giving 10% to you, Lord. He says, but, 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 they, but, but he said, they were not generous. Okay, they were not gracious. So th there are many opportunities for us to display a spirit of generosity and grace. And I see so many examples of that at Word of Grace, you know. One of the things that we, uh, you know, each church has its culture. And one of the things we have tried to inculcate as a culture at Word of Grace is that after a Sunday meeting, okay, we want to make sure that everybody, as far as possible, 
is invited out for lunch. Every first-time visitor or new person that comes there, tell me, have you been invited out for lunch? Please put your hand up anytime. <laughs> yeah, all of us. I remember last year coming to Word of Grace 10 years ago. Uh, Meher is not here, but Meher had her over for lunch. And so many others, okay? And the reason I'm saying this is an opportunity to display our generous heart. Yeah? I, I remember going to a church in another country, okay? And... Uh, Nice worship, word, and at the end we had coffee together, some biscuits, and I was chatting with somebody, and here we are total strangers in another country, chatting away for 10-15 minutes, and I don't know anybody in that country, okay, and I'm lonely, I'm just there for that weekend, and, uh, and then we just say bye to one another and go, and I go and go to some restaurant or something and eat some food, you know, it was a wonderful morning, but a sad ending, we don't want that to happen. You know, so, for example, last week we had uh, three visitors who came who were studying filmmaking and photography. They came with Ashish and Shubham. And this was their first Sunday here and their last Sunday here. We're never going to see them again. All right? But Christy and Esther took that whole group out for lunch. Okay? And it doesn't matter if they're never going to come here again. What matters is we are expressing the love of God. That's important, okay? And I just want to commend the leadership team, you know, who are so carrying this thing of being hospitable, being generous. You know, we had uh, Conrad and family who came last Sunday, and I thought I'd invite them for lunch. And uh, I said, would you like to come for lunch? They said, uh, Shoma has already invited us. <laughs> okay, so word of grace, I want to ask you this. Will you be generous like Abel? What is that? How does that outworked? Okay, that's outworked in inviting people for lunch on a Saturday or a Sunday. I mean, Hazel, you know, uh, Sundar was out, had to travel to Mumbai yesterday. She's alone with two kids, and she can say, I'm alone, I can't do anything, I've just got two kids. No, she invited somebody for dinner from the church, and she's got somebody for lunch. Okay, so what are we saying? What are we, and, and many others, so what are we saying? We're saying that, you know, eating together is a sign of generosity, right? Where we are inviting people over for a meal. Why? Because over a meal, you can talk to one another, you can get to know one another. Hospitality is not a suggestion, it's a command. Over and over in scripture, Romans 12, 13, Romans 12, 30, let's pick that up. You know, it talks about practice hospitality, okay? Romans 12, 13, you got that up there? So hospitality is something that share with God's people who are in need, practice hospitality. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 9, again speaks of hospitality. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 9. Okay? And then we've got... So 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 9, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. And uh, we won't look this up, but in 1 Timothy, it says, one of the qualifications of an elder or a leader in a church is that the person is hospitable. Okay? So, as a church, we're growing. We're seeing a lot of new people coming in. Would you open your homes to people and practice hospitality? Okay? We've got how many days in the week? Seven days. 
How many meals is that? For most people, it's 21. For some people, it could be 28. But seven meals in a day. Now, what I'm asking you is, can you give one meal a week, that's a Sunday afternoon or maybe a Saturday evening, one meal a week to eat with one another? Offer hospitality, okay? Eating is important. Jesus did it. You know, he rose from the dead. And then he cooked breakfast for his disciples. <laughs> All right? So will you do that? We're looking for, you know, more, God can't send us more people into the church unless there are more people who will connect with others. Okay? So I'm asking you. Now, singles may be thinking, oh, what about me? What about you? You too. Okay? You may not be able to take people home. Maybe you're living in a PG accommodation. But you could if you had your own home. Or you could take people to a restaurant like, like most of us do, okay? But practice hospitality. The command says practice, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. This only applies to couples. I don't see that written there. Okay? It's singles as well. So singles. And what can happen in today's generation of singles is that you know, a lot of singles are just focused on themselves. Okay, so I'm single, so somebody take me out. No, 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 no. You take the initiative, you be generous. Remember, it's about being generous. Okay, you take a family out, pair up with somebody else, cook something, take them out, but one meal a week, that's what we are saying, you know, as far as possible. Maybe you can do it three times a month to start with. Okay, now, and just for you to know, the, the, the word hospitality is philozenia in Greek, which means lover of strangers. Lover of strength. It's so easy to take somebody that you, you know, related to you or a good friend for a meal, but it's loving strangers, people you don't know. Okay, so we've got hospitality. The other option is to show our generosity is providing meals. Today, I think Austin testified about how he and Joe were unwell and people sent meals to their home. And that has happened, hasn't it? Okay, and so here's another opportunity to be generous like Abel, where we, when we see somebody sick, like Sunit and Sam are unwell, okay, you live far away, what can you do? Swiggy to the rescue. <laughs> What's the matter? You can be generous by sending them a meal or somebody else. And, and that has happened over and over again. Okay, so... So here is how we draw all this together. Abel was commended by God. As you do what you're going to do, you will be commended by God, either in this life or in the life to come. Last uh, Friday, the Vishrantwari gym had, uh, had, uh, had their gym meeting. And, and their gym meeting is wonderful. Because it ends with dinner every time. <laughs> okay? I think that's why Sushil attends, but I don't know. <laughs> but, but Sushil and Alma are wonderful. They will pick up people, all right? And they will bring them to the meeting and bring food and do all these things. What does it show? A generous spirit. Same with Ephraim and Joanna. You know, they'll cook a lot of food and have people over. Okay? Friends, this is... What, what these works do is they display the faith that is within us, okay? So I'm going to end this morning by saying, by just recapping, 
God is looking for men and women who will walk the way Abel walked. How did Abel walk? First of all, the base starting line is first fruits to the Lord. That's important. Okay? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if you've not been doing that, may I encourage you to honor God with that. The second thing is that we have a generous lifestyle, that we are being generous to people. Okay? And uh, thirdly, the way we express that generosity, one of the ways, it's not the only way, is that, you know, on a Sunday afternoon, because we all live far away, and maybe difficult to come to people's homes, but on a Sunday afternoon, everybody gathers here, open your heart, your home, your wallet, invite somebody out for lunch, maybe a new person, okay? And through that, you know, Ephesians says this, Ephesians 4, that the body of Christ grows as each part does its work in love. Meher's small action of inviting Lassia 10 years ago to her home for lunch built her into being in the church, and today she's leading, worship, preaching, one of the leaders, you know, everything. And you, who knows what your action of love can do to somebody else. And that's what God is looking for. Men and women of faith. Let's pray. Let's pray. Come. Let's stand up. Let's stand to our feet. Lord, we thank you for the great examples in Scripture. Right from Abel to Zechariah and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Moses and Gideon and Barak and Samson. Lord, what amazing examples. Lord, thank you for your word this morning. I pray that you would help each one of us obey that, Lord. That would, we would be living a life of faith. That our worship of faith would include our faithful giving of first fruits and not leftovers, Lord. That we'd have a generous heart towards everybody. That we would open our homes, our hearts, and our wallets. Take people out for meals, fellowship with one another, and be a blessing. Lord, we ask you to pour out your spirit into our hearts, Lord. Lord, you are a giver. Would you help us to do that? In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. We'll bring the meeting to an end. But if you would like prayer for something, would you like to come forward and the leadership team would be happy to pray for you. Okay? If you'd like prayer for something, we'd love to pray for you. Maybe you're sick, you have an issue. But otherwise, the meeting is over. Let's just fellowship with one another and enjoy one another.